This is our second session on Matthew 1, 18 to 21. In the first session, we posed the question of what do we find if we look out for repetitions? And we saw seven different ways that Jesus is described as the, the one who was conceived of the Holy Spirit divinely conceived, not just virgin birth, but conceived by God himself. And the second time now through, we want to ask, okay, what what do we find if we look out for the relationship between main propositions and not just what's repeated, but what seems to be stated in relationship to the other things as the main thing? So, Father, as we focus now on the destiny of Jesus signified by how he was born, we want to get on board with what he was really about in this world. So bring us into tune, into alignment with the destiny, the purpose of of your design in Jesus' birth revealed here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, he was found to be with child. Before they came together, he was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her mother and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and willing, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying... Now, whenever you get an angel that comes into the picture and starts saying something, you can probably expect that something decisive and illuminating will be said about the situation. So I'm, all my antennas are up now as to what's going to be said here. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Same as Matthew said here. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, Jesus, the Greek form of Yeshua, Joshua, which in Hebrew means Yahweh saves. You will call his name Yeshua, Joshua, Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. So that's a massive statement about the destiny of Jesus and why he was called Jesus, and it was delivered by an angel, and therefore this is probably going to be right at the top of what this paragraph is about. Let's keep going. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So there you had an angel speak, and now you've got a, 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 the Bible itself is talking prophecy. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. So not of man, but God here, this child is conceived. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Hmm. Emmanuel, remember? Back here, the angel said, so you have angelic authority from God. You, Joseph, his father, legally, but not physically, you shall call his name Jesus. 
And now you have the prophecy here. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until didn't have any sexual relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and they obeyed the angel. They called his name Jesus. Now, what, what are we to make of the fact that the prophecy talked about the name Emmanuel, the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, and that's exactly what, what uh, they did, and he called his name Jesus. Notice a clue. You look carefully. This is they, not you. Even though you was in the original Hebrew, they is here. What does that signify? This they is probably not the parents, Joseph or Joseph and Mary. This is they in general. People will in general identify Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. I think that's the gist of it. In general, Jesus will be known as Emmanuel. This is not a mandate that parents must call him Emmanuel, and they disobeyed here and called him Jesus. Here's another clue. This text, this prophecy right here, had a, what I would call a preliminary partial fulfillment in Isaiah's time. You go back and read the context in um, Isaiah 7, this is Isaiah 7, 14, quoted here, and you read the context in 7 and 8, and you realize, oh, there was a child, and they did call him Emmanuel. And he wasn't born of a, of a virgin yet. That's why this is a f- final fulfillment. But this, this Emmanuel here had a precursor kind of preliminary fulfillment back in Isaiah's time. And the decisive fulfillment is here as Emmanuel. One of the things that changes in the decisive fulfillment is not that the baby must be called Emmanuel, but that people in general will know him as God with us, but the child is going to be called Jesus. Now, here's one last observation that might throw light on that. I see three main things then being asserted in this paragraph. One one is uh, the child is conceived by the Holy Spirit, by God. Second, therefore, therefore, the child is Emmanuel, God with us. Not in any ordinary way, but an absolutely unique way of a God-man being conceived in the womb of Mary. Therefore, 
he will can save from sin. Notice he doesn't say save from the Romans. He, he didn't come into the world. Remember back here? He will save his people from their sins, not the Romans. You don't need a virgin birth. You don't need a divine conception to defeat the Romans. Goodness gracious, the kings of Israel did that just fine over the history of Israel. They defeated the Babylonians. They defeated the Assyrians. They defeated all kinds of massive armies because God just stepped in and helped them. But you can't, you can't defeat sin until you have a God-man. That's the key here. So he's going to be called Jesus Because in being Emmanuel, God with us by the Holy Spirit, he is now uniquely able to do what no other human being could do. He can die in the place of sinners and save us from sin, which means that uh, I think we could say this right here is Christmas. In fact, if you think it through, if you think it through, it is a very... Merry Christmas.